You're listening to episode number 15 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. If you're in need of keto recipe food prep inspiration, I've prepped a free seven-day keto meal plan exclusive for podcast listeners. The plan is complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, I hope your 2017 is off to a great start. If you're like me, I am catching up on all the podcasts and stuff I missed during the holidays. So hopefully you heard the last couple of episodes of the Keto Diet Podcast. If you haven't, you have a lot to catch up on. Lots of great episodes, including this one. I guess it's not totally the holiday season anymore, but if you're like me, January is a complete blur. So I hope you've given yourself some time to listen to your favorite podcasts and take some self-care time. Before we get started with today's episode, the awesome thing this week is cacao tea. I am re-obsessed with it. I used to love this stuff a couple of years ago and then I totally forgot about it and it's back. I get mine from Bulletproof. I'll include a link in the show notes today. What I love about this is it's rich in antioxidants. It doesn't throw off my adrenals like a regular cup of regular coffee would do, but it's filled with theobromine, which is basically like caffeine's brother that's well let's say sister because I know there's a lot of girls listening Uh, caffeine's sister that's a little bit more calming so it's not as uppity as regular caffeine based coffee it helps to maintain healthy serotonin levels for natural relaxation can be really good for sleep it's delicious it tastes like chocolate but it's tea it's great I'm totally obsessed with it I've been drinking it in the mornings with my little rocket fuel latte and that's been really successful for me lately so what we're covering in this episode are signs of hypothyroidism, how to test your thyroid, actions for healing your thyroid, and carb intake with hypothyroidism. The show notes for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E15. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. The podcast is partnered with Vital Proteins, the leader in sustainably sourced collagen for a full, vibrant life. As you know, podcast listeners receive 10% off plus free shipping in the U.S. on all of their favorites over at vitalproteins.com with the coupon code VPHP10. That's all in caps, no spaces. Beginning February 1st, 2017, Vital Proteins and I will be putting together something super special that will replace the coupon code. Stay tuned into the podcast for more information leading up to February 1st. In the meantime, the coupon code VPHP10 will continue to work up to January 31st, 2017. 
I have no announcements this week, so hopefully I'll have more for you next week. Just want to get to sharing this episode with you guys. If you have an idea for an episode for the podcast, or if you want to submit praise over and above the review, which you can leave by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, you can email me at info at ketodietpodcast.com. So we have a lot of good questions for today's guest questions and suggestions on guests were submitted by members of our private Facebook group accessible to everyone who purchases one of my keto products available at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. So once we book a guest, I jump on our private Facebook group. I ask all of them, all of the questions, and then I make sure to get through as many of their questions as possible. So having access to that group, also gives you a lot of power to the content that's on the show. So if you don't already have my products, you want to check them out, definitely head on over to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I feel like there will be a little bit there for you. I've tried to come up with a bunch of different things for everyone that will help you on your ketogenic journey. So today's guest, her name is Elle Russ. She's a writer, health and life coach, and host of Primal Blueprint Podcast. She is becoming the leading voice of thyroid health in the evolutionary health movement, also referred to as paleo, primal, or ancestral health. Elle is a certified primal health coach, and she sits on the advisory board for the Primal Health Coach Program created by Mark Sisson, best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint. Originally from downtown Chicago, Elle lives and plays in Malibu, California. You can learn more about her at www.lruss.com. Elle wrote The Paleothyroid Solution after consulting with over two dozen endocrinologists, internal medicine specialists, and general practice MDs. But her thyroid condition was only getting worse, and nothing from doctors resembled a solution or even hope. Exasperated and desperate, Elle took control of her own health and resolved two severe bouts of hypothyroidism on her own, including an acute reverse T3 problem. Through a devoted paleoprimal lifestyle, intensive personal experimentation, and radically modified approach to thyroid hormone replacement therapy, Elle went from fat, foggy, and fatigued to fit, focused, and full of life. I love that Elle came on the show today. I asked her all of our questions. We didn't get to the reverse dieting conversation of thyroid, so I will have to find a guest to chat about reverse dieting. So that's still on the docket and very exciting and also ties very closely in line with the thyroid conversation. But we went through actions for healing the thyroid, the types of medication that are best, what doctors we can work with, how to find doctors, groups for medication help and suggestions. And we chat about Hashimoto's and the baby steps that we can take toward healing our thyroid. So lots of good information in here. If you are metabolically challenged and you're frustrated and no matter what you do, you're not losing weight and your metabolism just feels slow and you're frustrated with what doctors are saying to you or not saying to you, today's episode is going to be right up your alley. And I even got to ask Elle about her thoughts on the carbohydrate requirements for hypothyroidism, which is going around in the communities of paleo and keto and all sorts of things, talking about how carbohydrates are required for thyroid health. So I'm really happy that we got into that. And without further ado, let's get to this interview. Hey, Elle, how's it going today? Thanks so much for joining in. 
Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, gosh, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a comedian and a writer first and foremost, and then sort of accidentally got into the world of writing, you know, this nonfiction book and some other things, you know, some life problems showed up. I had two bouts of hypothyroidism in a decade and I uh, had to actually fix it myself without the help of a doctor, which is a uh, sort of a rare situation and, you know, then lived to tell about it and, mm -hmm. and then wrote a book for everybody because the book that I wrote was the book I needed to find myself when I was going through this. So an accidental foray into the world of paleoprimal health that was never an intentional thing, but a wonderful, just a wonderful gift because it really changed my life. So then to be able to help other people is really where I'm at right now. And I host the Primal Blueprint podcast, which is the podcast that Mark Sisson, the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint, started uh, a couple of years ago. And so, you know, you and I are both in the same business there with podcast hosting and um, yeah, primal health coaching and just trying to get the word out and, and help people as much as I can. And fabulous podcast. When you say that, you know, you kind of like slid into this, you'd never be able to know, like, you know, a lot of things. <laughs> like, It's pretty phenomenal. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I think it's like when you and probably people listening, when you have had a health situation and the medical community has failed you, you have no choice but to pick up and research and learn yourself. And hopefully that's what you do, because if you don't, you might never get better. And so, you know, really just through perseverance of trying to solve my own issues is what, you know, kind of eventually gets you quite knowledgeable in that arena. Mm -hmm. And you touch on this so beautifully in your book, and even the title of your book says it all, or the subtitle, <laughs> that a lot of people don't understand hypothyroidism, and a lot of doctors don't understand hypothyroidism, and the tests are all wonky. You know, you said you had two bouts of hypothyroidism. What is that like? Can you explain hypothyroidism and, and what that does to your body? Sure. Well, let me just start off with everybody listening to this podcast right now has a thyroid gland. And if they don't, they're dead and they're not listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of like my general opener because the thyroid gland is the master gland of the body. So if for some reason there's someone listening who had their thyroid removed, they are on thyroid hormone replacement therapy or they would be dead. So if you cannot live without a thyroid gland, what do you think is going to happen when you live with suboptimal crappy levels of thyroid hormones, you're going to die a slow death. And that's really what hypothyroidism feels like at its height. You know, at first, people might feel like a little weight gain, they start to get foggy in the brain, maybe they're colder than usual. Those are sort of the onset of some initial symptoms that usually plague people. But then when you've left, when you've been left undiagnosed or misdiagnosed for several years, those symptoms compound each other. So for example, the thyroid gland is the master gland in control of every metabolic process in your body. So that's why people get fat usually when they're hypothyroid, meaning underactive. But also it's the regulator and production manifester of all of your sex hormones. So this is why women get have infertility issue, miscarriages. You might have fibroid tumors. You might have abnormal bleeding. Uh, men might lose their sex drive. Things will manifest itself in a sexual hormonal level. So the bottom line is, when you're in a hypothyroid state, you will likely get another disease or affliction of which you would not have normally gotten if you weren't hypothyroid. And so then what happens is you go down this train, your body's falling apart, you're becoming a mess, and the doctors are trying to band-aid and patch up all of these different things that have happened to you, but they're not 
looking at the cause. You can treat someone's polycystic ovarian syndrome. You can give someone a stand for high cholesterol. It will never get better if you don't solve the root of the problem. And the thyroid is the root of all of these problems. It is the master gland. So everyone, whether you have a problem or not, should either learn about it through my book or, or elsewhere about how you optimize your own thyroid gland. It's very important to take care of, help along its way through nutrients and diet and lifestyle, because it is what is absolutely equal to how you feel on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said, totally. As somebody who's had hypothyroidism for quite a long time, and once I kind of healed that Specifically, I got my period back and all these amazing things started happening. Um, yeah, and because, that's what happens yeah. is you become, you know, it's like um, hmm, the, the tough thing about it is you you start, to, it's like shingles on a house. You start to kind of like one peels off, then the other. And so it's a hard place to be when you're sick with hypothyroidism because you don't know what the hell to attack first or what's causing what. But at the end of the day, it's the thyroid usually. So for people out there who have, any depression issues, any brain issues, bipolar, anything that's related to brain and depression, you need to get your thyroid checked properly because that is first and foremost the igniter of depression when you have low T3 levels in your brain. That's why a lot of hypothyroid patients are very depressed and can't think straight or have cognitive abilities or cognitive issues, which is what I had. And so, you know, anything brain, also cholesterol. People have issues with high cholesterol. They go in the doctor. The doctor wants to put them on statins. You know, check the thyroid because usually once thyroid status is optimized, that all gets back into order. Same with the hormones. So you can see how someone would go down a path, have a, you know, hormonal Normality. The doctor says, oh, you're low progesterone or your testosterone's low. Then they're treating that. They're trying to give you hormone replacement therapy, you know, and, and you could be in your 30s, which is not appropriate necessarily, right? And all the problem really was caused by was the thyroid. So everyone needs to look right there first. Yeah. And that's, I know for myself, when I, my thyroid is a little bit wonky, I get not depressed, but just like I'm off and I'm not necessarily all that happy and then I'm like oh wait a minute I need to <laughs> take take care of my thyroid that's a good sign that I'm, I'm not taking enough time to nurture that so that's a really good point the podcast is sponsored by paleo valley 100% grass-fed beef sticks my new favorite gut-friendly clean protein snack there are tons of new snack options on the market today but nothing quite like paleo valley's grass-fed beef sticks they are made from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef which is really rare contains all organic spices are all free of dyes and are also carb-free gmo-free gluten-free dairy free, soy free, and contain zero grams of sugar. But the big reason these beef sticks make me do the happy dance is that they're fermented. Yes, just like fermented vegetables. As a result, each beef stick contains 1 billion naturally occurring gut healing probiotics. They're super convenient, delicious, and great for your gut, so don't miss out. Exclusive to our listeners, Paleo Valley is providing 20% off all orders for a very limited time. You'll also be given first dibs on their brand new, insanely delicious garlic summer sausage and summer sausage flavors just like healthy mini hickory smoked sausages. Get your fermented 100% grass-fed beef sticks for 20% off by going to paleovalley.com forward slash keto. Load up your cart and the discount will be automatically applied. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash keto. 
Now you mentioned getting your thyroid checked properly. What does that mean? Because a lot of people will say, well, I'll just go to my doctor and, you know, get my TSH checked. And if that's good, we're fine. Yeah, this is a real big problem. I know. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll let everyone know right now and they can go back and listen to it or you can put it in the show notes. But I want to give everyone just a quick comprehensive rundown of what you're going to really need if you want to assess the thyroid properly. And that is TSH free T3, that's free as in freedom, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, and then two Hashimoto's antibody tests. One is called TPOAB, and the other one is TGAB. Those five tests right there, three, four, five, yeah, six tests, those are a, those are a great comprehensive panel to assess your thyroid. Now, there's related ones as well, which are as important, but if you can only do those those that I just mentioned, that's a good start. The others that are related are vitamin D, 25-hydroxy, and B12, homocysteine, DHEA sulfate. If people have issues with losing weight, which is hypothyroid-related, but sometimes even if you've gotten on thyroid hormone and you're doing well, the problem is, is that often people become insulin-resistant while they're hypothyroid, which happened to me. So then, you know, you can get on medication or I just say just thyroid hormone replacement, you're doing well, you're feeling great, life is awesome, but now you're still fat. And so that's the time to check the HbA1c. And that's a three months glucose tolerance test. Anything above 5.2 should say, hey, you need to watch your carbs. Anything like I, I had one at like 5.7, which was very indicative of like a pre-diabetic insulin resistance issue. So that's something that if people have already gone the whole mile and gone down the healing process, but then all of a sudden this weight is still an issue, then that's when I would check HbA1c. So th- that's a pretty good, you know, now, of course, there's so many other factors involved here. If you have candida or you have poor gut health or all of these other things that can contribute to hypo-like symptoms, you need to clean up everything at the same time so that you can eliminate where are these symptoms coming from. And, you know, sometimes it's food related or Epstein-Barr or candida. So that's why it takes a full overhaul because when you're in a hypothyroid state and then you're trying to fix it, you can use medication. But if you are not addressing all these other issues, then the medication you're taking A is not going to work as well or may never work. And so you have to you have to do a full full force approach to this. But it's actually absolutely solvable. So I don't want anyone out there to think if they've been told by a doctor, like you're always going to suffer from X if you're hypothyroid. That is not true. That's a lie. This stuff is solvable. <laughs> it really is. But it does take patient participation. Yeah. And why, why, why does this happen? Like you mentioned candida can cause a little bit of issues, but I know in your book, you chatted about, you know, the low fat diet, working out a lot can also cause hypothyroidism. What sort of activities are people engaging in where this is happening constantly? Like everyone has hypothyroidism, it seems. Right. No, it, well, it's an epidemic. I mean, listen, 25 plus million Americans have it. 60% are undiagnosed, 200 million people worldwide. So it's wow. brutal. And one out of eight women will get it in her lifetime. It's disproportionately a women's disease. So it, it's a it's a tough thing. Here's Here's the comparison, really. The doc, most doctors, the majority of doctors who don't know how to test, how to assess what they're doing, it's because they're relying on 30, 40 year old protocols they learned in medical school that are now outdated and wrong. It's as outdated and wrong as someone 30 years ago would say, ooh, don't eat the fat off of that steak, it's bad for you. We know saturated fat does not cause heart disease, period, end of story, the research is out. 
Well, it will cause heart disease, though, in the presence of a high-carb diet, right? If, you, if you're eating a high-carb diet and your body's busy processing all the sugar and carbs, then yeah, that fat you eat off the steak might go to clogging your artery, right, versus being burned as fuel. So, so just as that's an old paradigm, and we know that now, it's the same with this thyroid stuff. People have just not caught up, and the doctors that have are usually the functional medicine doctors, the anti-aging doctors, the osteopathic doctors that often don't take insurance or charge more, and people just aren't seeking them out, but they should, because endocrinologists are classically the worst doctors to go to for thyroid health, even though they should be the experts in it. They're very rigid, and they're not even testing the things that matter because they're too indoctrinated and entrenched in an old paradigm that has since been proven false by the majority of the doctors that know what's up who are treated treating the patients coming from the endocrinologists who are still complaining. And, and that's how it works. It's the difference between finding a doctor who geeks out on medicine, is interested in learning and finding an answer for their patient, or going to a doctor who's entrenched in 30-year-old protocols and fears that have since been proven wrong. Do you know what I mean? I mean, totally, I'd rather, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I, I want to go to the, the doctor that's geeking out and really interested in helping his patients. And those are functional medicine doctors. Spend, the doctor on my book, Dr. Gary Forsman, who is an integrative primal doctor, I mean, he spends a minimum of an hour with everyone and everything's so individual as far as what tests he might have for me versus someone else. So if you, you know, unfortunately, the other problem part of this is that the overall, I guess I should say, philosophy that a doctor is going to help you. And people need to step up and realize that just because someone has an MD from Harvard or Yale does not mean they know what's best for you or that you don't even know more about them about a subject. I shouldn't know more than some endocrinologists about thyroid health, but I do. Why is that? That's not right, is it? That doesn't seem right, right? Because I didn't go to medical school. So, so you know, everybody has ability to research out there. There's information out there, starting with my book and other websites and, and areas. But people need to step up and start to learn about what they have. I know too many people, the majority of people I know that are already on thyroid hormone replacement. If you ask them what it is or how it works, oh. they have no idea. They yeah. could not describe to you what it all means. That seems a little dumb, doesn't it? I mean, That's I've been crazy. a victim of that myself. I trust a doctor and then it got nowhere and then had to step up. But that's another main message in my book. You have to participate. You have to do your own research. You have to help your doctor doctor you. Yeah, definitely. And do you have tips on how to find a doctor that could work with you? Like I have, you know, if I if I call them and they're quite open to chatting with me about things, that's a pretty good indication. If their first initial appointment is over an hour, that's also a good indication. Like, do you have some tips and tricks on how to find these doctors, like functional medicine doctors and such that could be helpful? Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely, you know, resources on the web. Anyone can yeah. look up, you know, even A4M, you know, aging, anti-aging doctors, look up functional medicine doctors. You can go to middlepathmedicine.com, which is the doctor on my book's website, look up his credentials and then try to find someone mm -hmm. with similar credentials, you know. One of the things, and I, I talk about this in my book, because I talk about the, the mistakes that patients and doctors make. It's important to pre-assess what's happening before you go in there. So you might want to call and say, you know, does the doctor prescribe these various forms of thyroid hormone replacement? Do they test free T3 or do they just test TSH and T4? You know, you can ask some questions about like, what do they test and how do they treat? Are they open to these different medications? Oftentimes, endocrinologists are only going to prescribe Synthroid, which is a T4 only thyroid hormone, and they are not going to prescribe anything else. So that's pretty much 
much what you're going to get when you go to an endocrinologist. You really want to go to someone who's familiar with all of the forms of treating hypothyroidism. That's T4 only, which is Synthroid brand name, or T4, T3 combination synthetic. Preferably a doctor who knows how to compound T4, T3 is probably going to be more knowledgeable than others. Because if they've gone down that road and they are able to specifically compound down to the microgram for a patient, then they're probably pretty savvy. So, you know, you can ask those questions. Does the doctor know how to compound medication? Do they test reverse T3 and understand how to treat it? So there's a variety of questions and I put that all in my book and there's some other resources on the web. The best website for thyroid health is called stopthethyroidmadness.com. That has great resources on there, questions to ask doctors, things like that. And then there's also a free Yahoo group called Natural Thyroid Hormone Yahoo Group. And they have a good doctor list that they have compiled over the years through patients. And so if you join that group for free, you can get into the files and look at that good doctor list. And they have an international one as well. And that's been a great list that has helped other patients find decent doctors because patients like me are writing reviews or have gone to them and said, ah, this doctor's really not good with this, but they're open to this, you know, et cetera. So that's a great free resource for everyone listening who's trying to find a decent thyroid doctor. That's one place to go. It's called the NTH Natural Thyroid Hormone Yahoo Group. And it's free. And it's moderated by fellow patients, you know, like like me, who've kind of gone down this road. And other patients have reported in and kind of, it's just a great resource. One of the many. Brilliant. I'm going to check that out. I've never heard of it before. So thanks for the tip. That's awesome. So say somebody has hypothyroidism and maybe they're working, maybe they're trying to find a doctor. You mentioned before a couple of actions for healing the thyroid in addition to the medication. Can we go through a couple of those things for those listening that are hypothyroid right now and wanting to do something other than just medication? Sure. Well, if someone's hypothyroid right now and they want to try to avoid like going on thyroid hormone, which by the way, I just want to share this one point. I do have a lot of people who've contacted me and they're like, I don't want to go on thyroid hormone. Like they're trying to avoid it because they're somehow scared of it. And I just want to tell everyone out there, there's nothing to be scared about, about thyroid hormone replacement. It's giving your body what you don't need. You'll die without it. So it's not like some crazy medication that's manipulating your system, like all of the ads we see on TV for these crazy medications, right? It's not like one of those. So I just want don't want people to be fearful of it. But mm-hmm. if someone's out there and they're like, hey, I really want to avoid this and I want to try to turn it around naturally. Number one, selenium. Selenium is really important for the thyroid and converting the thyroid hormone. So taking 200 to 400 micrograms per day total of selenium is something everybody can do to help their thyroid status. The other thing is adopting a paleoprimal lifestyle. You don't even have to read my book to figure out what that is. You can go to Mark's Daily Apple or primalblueprint.com and do enough research on this topic to see what that means. But the reason that that is applicable to thyroid health is because Adopting a paleoprimal lifestyle when you do it right is the ultimate in blood glucose management and adrenal management and balancing. Those two things are absolutely related to the thyroid. Part of that lifestyle is not doing chronic cardio. One of the things that could have gotten me into a hypothyroid state and often do with people is people who are eating a low-fat, low-carb diet, over-exercising. These activities send send a message to our primal perspective in our body that says, she's starving. Don't give her any more of this fat-burning T3. We're not going to make her hyper-metabolic right now. She's running from something. She's, you know, a saber-toothed tiger, or she's starving. And so calorie restriction, particularly when it's in a low-fat, low-carb paradigm, 
and eating the every two, three hours and being on a sugar-burning hypoglycemic treadmill, those things absolutely will affect thyroid status. So to adopt those principles and the lifestyle part of paleo primal is really important as well. And then the other component is food. And that when it comes down to it, sugar, dairy, and grains are huge triggers of inflammation and also grains, particularly a trigger of Hashimoto's. So when we talk about autoimmune thyroid issues, diet is key, but also same with other patients because healing the gut is a big part of also thyroid issues. You know, there's so many things that can happen in the body that can throw a thyroid off. That could be a SIBO, bad gut stuff, candida. It can be anything that's inflammation related because again, when you have something going on like that, even even Lyme disease or a, or a car accident can shake someone into a weird thyroid status for a while because think about it, your body's been traumatized in some way, whether it's from a food assault or whether it's from a car accident and the body doesn't doesn't want to become hypermetabolic in those states. It wants the body to fix and work on the inflammation and all the other things going on. It's not going to allow your body to produce and pump out a high metabolic fat burning hormone, which is T3. And that is why people who are hypothyroid get fat because they have low T3, therefore can't burn fat. People who are hyperthyroid who have overactive thyroid glands, their hearts are beating fast, they're sweaty, they're pooping all the time, and they're skinny. <laughs> that and they can't gain weight. You know, and that's that's the other side of it. So this is a Goldilocks situation. But hopefully that gives a good picture of, you know, how things can go wrong and every so so be, living a paleoprimal existence along with some supplementation and 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 getting vitamin D levels up is very important. Vitamin D should be between like 70 and 90. Ferritin iron storage is huge. That is a big test I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, that should be between 50 and 100. Every woman should probably get that test because we are menstruating females and oftentimes if you exercise, you lose more iron than most and ferritin is absolutely related to thyroid status. So even something like as dumb as iron being low can throw off your thyroid and it can be a really dumb fix like just taking iron for a couple months. You know, I mean, some of these things are really dumb and easy. So it's worth adopting all of them and trying and sitting there for eight to 16 weeks to see if some you have self-corrected and get retested again before going on thyroid hormone if someone wants to try to avoid it. So sorry, that was a long answer to that question. Hopefully I got all the components. You got all the things, like so many things. I'm like, oh, put a pin in that, put a pin in that. So one of the pins was Hashimoto's. How does, how do things change with Hashimoto's? Some people, you know, like the grains and dairy, we know no good. Like if you have Hashimoto's, do not do that. No good. Are there other things that people need to be aware of if they have Hashimoto's versus hypothyroidism? Yeah, well, Hashimoto's is a form of hypothyroidism usually. And so what happens is, is it's not really a thyroid problem. It's an autoimmune problem that affects the thyroid. So that's the same with type one diabetes. It's a, the autoimmune system gets something wrong, it makes a mistake, and it starts to attack something it thinks is foreign, and that's the mistake it's making. So in the case of like type 1 diabetes, it's attacking the pancreas, right? And then so that's the mistake it's making. In, In Hashimoto's, the mistake is that it attacks the thyroid gland. So here's the deal. For people with Hashimoto's, number one, if it's caught early, you really have a great chance of reversing it and staying off a thyroid hormone and being good if you attack it from a whole whole food, whole life approach because the food and components really do affect Hashimoto's. They are absolutely triggered by grains and other inflammatory factors. So that it's it's good news there. Like if you're a teenager, your daughter just you know got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, if you change things around really quick, you might be able to nip that in the bud. You know, so that's the good news about it. The 
The bad news about it is that the presence of antibodies equal inflammation. And so there's two antibody tests for Hashimoto's. One is seemingly more problematic than the other. But here's why Hashimoto's is important to look at. Most doctors do not understand that you can actually treat the autoimmunity part. So even if there's a patient who has Hashimoto's and they're on thyroid hormone and they're doing well, like they're feeling great, they still might go get their blood tested once a year and have high antibodies. But the doctor doesn't even think that that's a problem because they just go, oh, well, they have Hashimoto's. So of course they're going to have antibodies. And the answer is no, they shouldn't. The goal still for everyone with Hashimoto's is to get those antibodies as low as possible. So someone on thyroid hormone replacement doing well with Hashimoto's will not feel the rise and fall of those antibodies per se. There's going to be inflammation going on under the scene and inflammation equals other inflammatory factors, other inf you know autoimmune issues. Like you're going down a real bad road for cancers. People who have Hashimoto's are more likely to give birth to autism uh, spectrum disorder children. So, I mean, there's lots of reasons to get those antibodies down, but most people don't even know you can do anything about it. Now, if you are not on thyroid hormone and you have Hashimoto's and you have high antibodies, you're going to feel it. It's going to feel like people who are untreated with Hashimoto's have, go in and out sometimes of being hypo and hyper because at any given day, they're, you know, the autoimmune system is attacking the thyroid gland and they might feel like choked up in the neck, tightness in the throat. They might feel jittery and anxiety ridden because they have too much thyroid hormone that day. And then a week later, they might feel real low and depressed and hypo. And someone could be misdiagnosed as bipolar in that situation, particularly when you're a teenager. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so those are really things to look at when it comes to Hashimoto's. But the bottom line is no matter whether you're treated or not, you can address the antibodies and you should try to. And that's the main message. And in the Q&A section of the book with my doctor, we go into this. There's other ways to treat this, but that's the goal. So one of the success stories in my book, Kara, she had Hashimoto's for years. She was treated on thyroid hormone, finally got well, doing well, feeling great. But her doctor still didn't even realize that she could do anything about her antibodies. Well, once she learned what I told her, her antibodies went from 300 to 25, the lowest she's ever seen them in her life. Now, she doesn't necessarily feel the difference between the 200 and the 25 antibodies, right? But they're there on the blood test. So they're there, which means inflammation is there, right? So she got it down just by quitting grains. And she still has cheats. You know, she'll still eat a piece of real real pizza every now and then. This is not a life sentence to never enjoy a piece of gluten. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, so in her case, you know, her doctor still, even though she was treated well and compounded medication, doctors still didn't realize that you could. Unfortunately, people with Hashimoto's have to be a little bit more careful about diet versus other people with hypothyroidism who might be able to go off on a bender with gluten or, or other things, right? Because it's not going to cause an inflammatory, as much of an inflammatory response as it would with someone with Hashimoto. So A, they have to be a little bit more religious about diet. But B, can nip this in the bud sooner and C, you really can and should try to treat antibody levels because one autoimmune situation untreated will beget another and so on. Instant Pot, my personal favorite pressure cooker, is a partner of the podcast. With Instant Pot, you can make meals in minutes. Truly, I was someone who was intimidated by pressure cookers, but I'm so happy I gave Instant Pot a try. It makes rich bone broths, hearty stews, and epic dishes just like your slow cooker does, but a lot quicker. I have the Instant Pot IP Duo 60, which pressure cooks, slow cooks, cooks rice, sautés, makes yogurt, steam and warms up food all in one. 
as an exclusive for Keto Diet Podcast listeners only, Instant Pot is offering everyone $50 off any Instant Pot of their choice. Simply go to instantpot.com, find the unit that best suits you, and use the coupon code KETO, that's all in caps, no spaces, for your $50 discount. And you mentioned um, previously about blood sugar levels and carbohydrates. So there's a camp of people that say, when you have a thyroid condition, you need a lot of carbohydrates. And then there's another camp that says, like, a ketogenic eating style or low carb or even a low carb paleo approach is the way to go. Can we talk a little bit about carbohydrates and the thyroid and whether it's necessary? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. I would love to have a group discussion with everyone in this community <laughs> who has talked about this because yeah. there's been a lot of misinformation. Okay, so number one, people have said that, well, there's been studies where when someone goes ketogenic, their levels of T3 lower. Okay. First of all, you have to understand that that is a broad stroke claim that has a lot of nuances to it. Number one, was the person who went keto and their T3 levels lowered, were they already in perfect thyroid health to begin with? Do you know what I mean? Because if people approach a paleoprimal lifestyle because they're gaining weight and they're already hypo, I don't know that a ketogenic state is going to fix that right away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. going keto is not going to necessarily change uh, hypothyroidism onslaught, right? The other thing is we there's so many factors in gut health. Also, do those lower T3 levels affect the person? Like, are they still hypothyroid? When you're in a ketogenic state, you're usually, if you've gotten there the right way, and you didn't just do it from going from a sad diet and being obese to ketogenic right away, but let's say you've, you know, you've gotten there slowly. T3 levels might lower, but that might not necessarily make the person hypothyroid. It just might make them more efficient at T3. Their body is pumping out less T3 because it doesn't need to respond to all the onslaught of carbohydrate and BS demands that need more T3 to process, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. If it were true that a ketogenic diet made people hypothyroid, we'd never be here, okay? No one would have successful pregnancies. Population would not have happened, okay? So our ancestors, that means that all of our ancestors would have been severely hypothyroid for years and years, okay? So so I, I'm not buying that a ketogenic diet causes hypothyroidism. It may lower T3 levels, but does it cause hypothyroidism? You know, listen, there are people that do well at a certain T3 level and people that do well at a higher one. It's individual. So I'm not sure that whatever test or studies have been done on, oh, ketogenic lowers T3, I'm not willing to buy it. I'm not willing to say that ketogenic makes someone hypothyroid. I think that's what people are afraid of. I've had people write me and go, oh, I'm making sure I'm getting enough glucose so that I can produce T3. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so here's the thing. When you become ketogenic, if you're really in that, you do become calorically efficient. But aside from that, often the appetite is severely suppressed in a, in, in a positive way, obviously. Now, the trouble that some people could get into potentially is their appetite so suppressed, they are not eating enough calories, and that could throw someone into a hypothyroid state. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's causing what, right? So I would want to look at whatever studies or claims people are making about this because I'm not buying that just in and of itself, a ketogenic low-carb diet causes any of these problems. How do we know their thyroid status was even great before they went keto? And again, did they just get a little bit lower T3 levels, but they were feeling fine? Or are they saying, oh, you know what I mean? So there's two, I, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I think there's too many factors involved in this, like caloric issues. Cause I know people that have gone 
ketogenic and their appetite's really suppressed and then they're kind of like not eating a lot at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, if you go on that train for too long, then your body's going to get a signal that it's starving and then it might hold back on the T3. Do you see what I mean? Totally. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense, but it's an area where I wish they would do more studies on because I disagree with the claim. Now, you don't need high amounts of carbs for thyroid. So we're talking about super low carb versus normal. I still think any woman at a, at an average height, I mean, if you're super tall, you probably can eat more calories, but you know, average women don't really need more than a hundred carbs a day, unless you are a bricklayer or an athlete, a professional athlete. And that's not working out an hour or two a day. That's not a professional athlete. Professional athletes work out eight hours a day, right? So, <laughs> so a, a car, a carb level of a hundred carbs total, or less per day, between 50 and 100 carbs, isn't going to throw anyone into hypothyroidism. Yeah, and I think you touched on a really good point. I actually interviewed uh, Dr. Jason Fung, I think, in episode four of the podcast. We were talking about fasting and thyroid. And I know for me, myself personally, being on a ketogenic diet for now two and a half years, I find if I fast too much, it does affect my thyroid. And I do need that carb up practice every once in a while. Otherwise, I could go days and days without eating and my thyroid suffers immediately. Like I can just tell. So yeah, it's very individualized. And I totally agree with you. It's it's unfortunate that even in the paleo space, there's a lot of, well, if you have hypothyroidism, you need to eat a ton of carbs all the time. No, in fact, you actually, here's the thing. The opposite is sort of true. I know. Because, if you, because here's the thing. I want to say, if you've had hypothyroidism and you've suffered and then you're on the road to getting better, most likely you have crappy adrenals or severe adrenal fatigue and and, and insulin resistance because when you're in a hypothyroid state and you don't have thyroid hormones for energy, you have your, your adrenals are outputting too much, you are craving carbs and sugar, it's almost impossible to be in a hypothyroid state and not eat like crap. So oftentimes you do have too much sugar, you become insulin resistant, and the only way to combat that is to, for adrenals and for the insulin resistant, is to go on a low-carb paleoprimal lifestyle that will balance out the adrenals and the blood sugar. Do you know what I mean? So... Mm-hmm. Almost everybody coming off of a hypothyroid state could benefit from a lower carb paleoprimal lifestyle. Word. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you mentioned thyroid hormones um, and them helping you with fat burning. I've had a lot of questions from people because this is a ketogenic space and all the women listening are on a ketogenic diet. How can you burn fat when not being ketogenic? How does that happen? How does oh, that well, work? Well, you, oh, well, you, as long as fat is used as your primary fuel source, you don't have to be ketogenic in order to burn fat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really the macro. So, for example, like um, being in a ketogenic state will help anybody burn fat faster and quicker, right? That's for sure. But you can still be a normal metabolic human being burning fat like a normal person who doesn't have to go keto. Some people don't have to go ketogenic because their pancreas, insulin, their whole process, metabolic machinery is working right. The way to make that happen by going paleoprimal is because it is a high fat, low carb, moderate protein lifestyle, you are switching off all of the switches that were dependent on glucose. And once you get beyond that for a month and you've trained your brain and your body to burn fat as its primary fuel, then it it doesn't really matter if you are... Um, keto or not. However, if you're trying to burn body fat, like excess body fat, then there are some adjustments you'll have to make. So for example, you can get fat on a high fat, low carb diet. In fact, you could kind of get fat on a ketogenic diet. If you just overate 
fat, you know, that some of that would go to fat, you'd still probably feel good and have all the benefits of a ketogenic diet, but you still could probably overload your system. So I think if people are trying to burn body fat, it's key to personalize your fat intake. Like for example, I've made many mistakes here. I once ate way too many calories for me and also way too much fat for me. So if you're trying to burn the fat on your body, you got to worry about what fat you're bringing in. Do you know what I mean? So there are some adjustments and I think it's got to be personalized, particularly for women because, you know, Women will be like, oh, yeah, bulletproof coffee. Well, you might have a 400 to 500 calorie cup of coffee. That could be half your day as a woman. If you're not working out and you're a small woman, we, we, you can't really uh, – probably not going to burn more than 1,200 that day if you're just sitting in the office, right? So you got to really think, do I really want to use up all of that with a blast of oil and fat in the morning? And I love bulletproof coffee and I think it's great. It's just that you know, you got to do some tinkering because what guys can handle or the level of fat my brother can handle or or Gabby Reese who's 6'4", like she can handle is going to be different than me at 5'2". So unfortunately, this takes a lot of like personalization and tinkering as you – probably know. And so you don't have to be keto to be a fat burner. You just have to have fat as your primary fuel source. And you know that by the way that you feel. If you want to take it a step further, though, and burn excess body fat or have insulin resistance, then yeah, going into a ketogenic state is the next step. Does that make sense? Or hopefully I answered the question. Totally it does. And I think like in that fat burning state, if you're not eating ketogenic, would it be fair to say that, you know, you were saying that the metabolic processes need to be in place in order to burn fat. If you have a wonky thought, thyroid, I imagine your ability to burn fat is going to be a little bit more challenging. Oh, no, it's going to be almost impossible. Yeah. If you have, <laughs> so, so let me just give everyone a real quick picture. I'm 5'2". When hypothyroid, before hypothyroidism hit me, I was 16, 17% body fat and between 110, 115 pounds. That is athlete level of body. Okay. That's like shape model kind of like, you know what I mean? Now that was, but that was achieved through the old paradigm of like, you know, eat every two, three hours. I was a sugar burner. I was struggling. I was hypoglycemic. I was also exercising extreme willpower because I was starving all the time. So I felt like, oh, this is what you have to do to get this body. Cause clearly it worked. I got the body, but I was suffering. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can, you can get that same body, but you just switch the macros and the paradigm and it's a much better life. You can actually sustain yourself. You know, that's why those those diets don't work and will ultimately fail you. So sorry, maybe I lost track here getting back to um, the uh, the fat burning. I think the problem is, is that ketogenic is t- it, it's tough and I think it needs to be eased into. I think more than often, I think women are going too much by and I was guilty of this percentages or or macros or making sure you get your daily. And you know what? It's got to be individual. There are some days when maybe 800 calories is fine enough for me and I'm really not hungry. People be, oh, you're starving yourself. Well, no, maybe I'm not. That's calorically efficient. I had a day where just that seemed right. Mm -hmm. Then the next day I might be like, wow, I want like uh, two potatoes and I might want to overcarb it. And, and, you know, it becomes intuitive over time. And that's what's great about it. It's just the tough part is, is when you start on the train, people want to be told what to do. You've got to get out of the sugar burning paradigm. It takes some willpower. It does take some kind of calculation and counting carbs. And then, as you know, once you're in it, you kind of know what you're doing. You can eye it. You kind of know what things are and you know, you go by what you feel and you know what too much, you know, you, you've probably experienced this, right? Where you know how it feels when you've eaten too much fat. It feels gross. It (laughs) feels gross. And then you go, uh, so, you know, I mean, I think that, that people don't want to hear that when they want to be told what to do, just tell me what to eat. And you're like, well, what I tell you to eat this week, then might be too much food for you three weeks from now when you become more calorically efficient because the metabolic machinery is changing. 
Yes. And then you add your period onto that. And like, it's just like, I know right before my period, I'm so starving. Like I could just eat all of the foods. Like, ev- like I just need more food in my body. But once, you know, after that, I'm pretty good. Like there are days definitely where I'm not even hitting 1200 calories, but then there's days where I'm probably over 3000. <laughs> like That's right. Just, and that, that's varies. the beauty of it though, right? Is that you can have a good kind of pig out day like that mm. and it doesn't ruin your whole world and put you two steps backwards if you're on the train. And so it is individual and it becomes intuitive. And, and I think that that's what's fun about it because mm. it's like this, you are entering into this new relationship with yourself right? And this communication with your body and yourself. Now, I will say this, if you're hypothyroid and screwed up, oof, there's not going to be any intuition. You know, appetite's going to be off, everything's going to be off, you're not going to be able to burn fat, even if you went ketogenic, that probably wouldn't work, it wouldn't work. Uh, Just hypothyroidism is hypothyroidism. If you don't have those levels to burn fat, it's not going to happen. So I don't suggest anyone try a high fat diet if they are seriously hypothyroid, because that fat's probably not going to get processed. You know what I mean? But, but, it's a good place to go to, to head down the, the path. So if you're hypothyroid, maybe start the path of cleaning out the kitchen, you know, cleaning out the grains, cleaning out stuff, getting carbs under 150 a day, preferably around 100 if you're a woman, and slowly start to assist your body in that metabolic machinery, even though it might take you getting on thyroid hormone to fully get there, but you can still start the process. And everybody should anyway. It's sort of the best anti-inflammatory longevity strategy you could adopt, right? Yeah, I think those steps are really key. And that's something that I did as well to get my hypothyroidism under control. And then once, once I was feeling really great, keto came very effortless to me. And now even my keto approach is is very whole food based, like you won't see any cheese or dairy, right in in my situation, because it just it, it also inflames my thyroid inflames my entire body. So it's important to like you said, to know your body. And I agree with you. There's not a lot of conversation around women and (laughs) this sort of eating style, like at all. (laughs) For example, if I, if I drink a bulletproof coffee every day, I will be a hot mess. (laughs) Like it's not not a thing, but what's wrong? Especially depends on what you think of bulletproof. Like some people are putting two tablespoons of butter, two things of MCT oil. So now we're really looking at 400 calories of fat in your, my God, I would eat so much. It's Maybe so one much. pat of butter, guys, and a little sprinkle of MCT. Oil. You don't need to do like what? Totally. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with just putting? Usually, I do a teaspoon of a couple of different fats, and it equals like a tablespoon. And then I'll have that for like breakfast, and then I'll eat a couple of hours later. And sometimes I'm like, I wake up, and I'm, for example, this morning, I was like, I need to eat right now. <laughs> so it's nice to have that variability. But you're so right in any sort of quote unquote dieting space when we're following a protocol of any kind it's like no this is what they tell me I need to do this is what I'm sticking to no ifs ands or buts about it and I see people hitting a wall every single time and getting frustrated and it's just because the eating style they're trying to achieve may work for them but it needs to be tweaked yeah it's too it's almost like a too much of a rigid approach I mean and I know you know this but this is the calls I get from my friends who have gone paleo primal low carb and and happened to me the other day my friend called me and she was like oh gosh I you know what I love being paleo primal can I just say I went the entire day didn't need had 15 meetings blah 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 blah. it's only three o'clock now and I'm totally fine and I'm starting just to get a little hungry and that's an amazing sense of freedom I had that happen to me the other day I literally went on an eight mile hike okay 
And all I had had was a cup of bone broth. <laughs> I didn't even have any like fat. Okay. I just had a cup Amazing. of bone broth that morning. Went on an eight mile hike at 830 in the morning. I was after the hike, my friend who's kind of a sugar burner, she was like, are you hungry? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. And then I literally didn't eat until three or three thirty that day. Amazing. That's that sounds crazy to people. They're gonna be how did you because I was completely sustained. I was my body was fueling itself off of ketones and fat. There was no suffering whatsoever, not mentally, not physically. In fact, those are the moments that know you're on the right track because it feels crazy after something like that to go, I actually could walk another five hours. Like I'm not even I'm not even tired. My brain's working great. Like I'm what it almost feels like this shouldn't be happening, right? <laughs> because it's, it's, it goes against what we all kind of think and know. And if you're listening out there and you're thinking, oh, that's possible, I could never do that. No, you could. And that's how we're designed. We were designed to go that long right? We were designed to hunt and gather and be able to go days without food and not have drops in mental or physical energy and performance. And that's, that goes right back to the primal blueprint, how we are mapped out as humans. And that's what our genes expect of us. Mm -hmm. That's why it, su it sucks so much. And it's such suffering to be on a hypoglycemic zone, South Beach, eat every two, three hour train. That's why it doesn't feel right. It's what exhausting. Animals, right. And what living being in this world do you know that has to eat every two, three hours? They're going to freak out. Are you kidding me? Dogs can eat once a day or go days without. You know what I mean? There's not any other animal or living being that has food disorders. We are the only ones. And it's because we've gone so far away from how we're designed. Once you get back into that, then these freedoms and being able to go all day or 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 just not even think about food. That's the freedom is not thinking about food. And anyone listening who's a food addict or struggling with that, this is the way to fix it. It's kind of the only way to fix it. Yes, totally, completely. That was my experience as well. Once you're free from food, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to stress about it. You don't, it's, it's quite a freeing and amazing feeling. It really is because it feels crazy to think about food all the time. And I've been there and I know what it's like. And I want to say to anyone listening, you know, there is an end. You are not, it's not like, oh, you're cursed. I used to think I was cursed. I was like, why do I have problems? Mm. Why am I thinking about food all the time? I don't see other people struggling with this. When is this ever going to go away? Like I, I, I was afraid for myself. I almost went to Overeaters Anonymous at one point. I talked about that in my book. I thought it was something inherently wrong with me. And everyone listening who's got this problem, you just need to know you accidentally, unbeknownst to you, switched yourself into a sugar burning state that begets food and sugar issues and makes you crave that stuff. You take the time, just 21 to 30 days to get off that train and onto this one, you will banish those obsessions forever and your your life will be so free. I, I still to this day so grateful for that. Yes, as am I completely. Thanks so much for coming on the show. That that went so quickly. I can't even. I have so many more questions for you. Where can people find more from you? I know you mentioned at the beginning, but feel free to share more things. Sure. Um, if you want to find more about me, you can go to lruss.com. That's E-L-L-E-R-U-S-S.com or Instagram, Facebook and Twitter underscore lruss or paleothyroid solution. And um, if anyone's interested, you can check in on our podcast, the Primal Blueprint podcast. We do new episodes every Wednesday morning that are uploaded. And yeah, anyone feel free to reach out. And the book is called The Paleothyroid Solution. It's available at, you know, Barnes and Nobles or Amazon.com. And it's, it's really cheap an easy resource and meant to be served as sort of a Bible and a manual for people who are on the road to recovery here. 
And it's fabulous. It's so good. You need to grab it, everyone. I'll include links to everything that Elle just mentioned in the podcast notes, which you can find at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E15. And thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.